Look How Sane and Linear We Are Being is a non-profit Homestuck fan analysis podcast and is not affiliated with Andrew Hussey or any of Homestuck's official entities. Please remember to support the release of its books and merchandise whenever possible. Feel free to read along with us. If you have epilepsy or any other light-sensitive disabilities or disorders, we suggest you stick to the audio. We have free audio transcriptions for this podcast linked in the episode description if you wish to read instead of listen. Both Elizabeths are trained writers and editors, so we're going to have some opinions about the construction of the story. These opinions may be different from yours, but we're not attacking the comic, just offering suggestions. This show is not safe for work, and if you're a minor, we ask that you wait to listen until you are old enough to be shipped off of Alternia to serve her imperious condescension. It's time to go to hell. Hi everyone, and welcome to Look How Sane and Linear We Are Being, a Homestuck fan cast in the year of our Lord, 2019. I'm Elizabeth Sullivan. And I'm Elizabeth Kostrak. Whoa, wait, why did we do that? Because this is a little bit of a different episode. We aren't actually talking directly about Homestuck today. I mean, we are, but we aren't. Wait. <laughs> We're talking about our Homestuck podcast, which seems a little navel-gazy, but is also necessary because we realize that we've been... There, there's a term in, in novel writing groups called pantsing, where you don't make an outline and you just go for it. Are you freaking pantsing into this? <laughs> it's the actual term. I know, but like, I hate, I hate saying it with my mouth whenever I have to say it. Well, you do, because that's what people call it. When you don't make an outline, you just start writing. And that's what we've sort of been doing with this podcast. We done fucked up, you guys! <laughs> well, we didn't fuck up. I don't think we fucked up. We've just started this podcast back in October with no real... I mean, we didn't really know what it was going to be. We did three episodes in October... And it was mostly for me to see if Elizabeth hated Homestuck too much to keep going. You thought that was what was going to happen? I thought you were going to hate it too much and you'd be like, I really don't want to do this podcast. And then we'd stop. <laughs> you overestimate my standards. I have kept reading worse things than Homestuck for far worse reasons. So That's really on me because I know your reading history. <laughs> well, yeah. We didn't have, like, a, a plan going, and we were just like, haha, you know, we're these two people that know about writing and storytelling, and why don't we read Homestuck together as friends? And who have the same name. So that was, like, honestly... That was about 60% of the reason why I wanted to do the podcast. We are not exaggerating when we say that. The way the conversation was, I think it was we came up with the fact that we wanted to do a podcast because we were both Elizabeth before we specifically made it a Homestuck fan cast. Yeah, and then in a separate conversation, we were like, haha, wouldn't it be funny 
if we did a podcast where we read Homestuck since I don't know anything about it and I keep accidentally making Homestuck references. And then we were like, hey, let's just do act one. And then if it doesn't work, it doesn't work and we don't publish it. And then it worked. And then we were like, fine. So, which is all to say that this podcast was very pantsed. And we thought we'd take a moment here over 20 episodes plus some bonus episodes to review where we're at, to talk about what we see this podcast as being. We're doing a housekeeping episode, (laughs) y'all. Yes, exactly. A housekeeping episode is a good way to put it. Just because we've, we've gotten some questions, and by the way, nobody's been rude. Not even a single person has been rude about it. We're just like, we've been getting enough of these questions. Maybe we should state the intention. Right, because it seems like that hasn't been super clear from our end. So we thought it couldn't hurt just to talk about basically like who we are, what we think about in terms of what we're doing within the episodes. Because it can sound like we're just saying whatever comes into our heads at any moment, which, to some extent, is what's happening. We don't outline episodes. We don't script episodes. They are completely improvised. I think Liz sometimes comes up with questions, and then we use those as jumping off points, but otherwise... Sometimes if there's something I really want to talk about, I will like put it into the chat of Discord and... Just let it sit there until we hit the record button. We'll say, oh, we need to remember to talk about this page. Things like that. But not scripted, not outlined, nothing like that. We just talk. But that doesn't mean that a lot of thought doesn't go into what we say, what we're critiquing, especially. Because in case you haven't noticed, we do a lot of critique of Homestuck. On this podcast. <laughs> we do. We really do. Sometimes I think whenever whenever I say something about how Homestuck is constructed or whatever, I'm like, okay, you know, I know I know this is going to get disagreed with and that's fine, but I, I just need to say this out loud with my mouth because this is, this is what I think. Also, I know that we are a Homestuck fan cast. I like Homestuck. I'm a, I'm a Homestuck fan. Elizabeth, you like Homestuck, right? I like some parts of Homestuck. Elizabeth likes Homestuck. I'm glad I'm reading it. I have, again, I've read worse things for less cause, for sure. Neither of us are mega fans of Homestuck, but there's not really a precedent for calling something a critique cast. Right. Fan cast is just a better word. Yeah, so... Yeah, we wanted to talk about what that really means, especially in terms of the critique, since it can seem at times like we're just hating on Homestuck, for lack of a better term, just saying things about it are awful without anything to back it up. So that's one of the things we're going to be talking about here. We did write an outline for this episode because I didn't want to forget anything. But also, this is on my outline, and I see it in all caps letters. And when I say that we've gotten questions about this and stuff, that's true. We're not going to say anybody's 
Twitter tag on here because we do not want anybody attacking these people. These are good people. Don't find their tweets in our feed and start being mean to them. Don't do that. I'm just saying this now because, like, I don't think it's going to happen because I think y'all are cool. But if somebody finds this as a relic from the past and decides to dig up old trash, then stop. Please stop. Please don't feel the need to do that. In a way, we're actually indebted to these people for helping us realize, oh, we should do a housekeeping episode. Before this, I was just like, oh, you know, like, we, we've just been, you know, talking like we critique anything else casually. But then I realized, oh, yes, not everybody is like super in tune to how Elizabeth and I and other writers talk to each other because not everyone's a writer and I forget that. Yes, definitely. And that's our bad. <laughs> One thing we aren't really going to discuss is our shaming of any racist or sexist or ableist or homophobic, anything like that that's found in Homestuck. That's a hard line. We will always have a problem with that, and we'll never apologize for having a problem with that. That's always bad. <laughs> yeah. And the question of having that stuff in the narrative, you know, does does Andrew Hussey d do a good enough job of, you know, like, separating his own views from, like, the views of flawed characters? That is a discussion for a whole other day. Right, and we've already done a lot of that discussion throughout the first 20-something episodes of this podcast. That is something we'll continue to discuss, but that's pretty cut and dried in terms of, oh, what are we critiquing? That's something we're critiquing. Yeah, because there is a right and wrong answer to that one, and the wrong answer is being racist. Right. Anyway, so I think we should get into the beginning of this. Yes. Elizabeth. Yes. Why are we doing this podcast? We are doing this podcast. Uh, wait. <laughs> Why are we doing this podcast? Why are we doing this podcast? Fuck this. Let's go home. <laughs> we are doing this podcast to look at a webcomic from 10 years ago and sort of have fresh eyes on it, both a veteran coming back to this webcomic and a newbie who has never read it. We're doing this because we think it's interesting, and we think that it's fun. It's like a case study! Also, there's at no point do I think that Andrew Hussey is ever going to listen to this and change anything about the comic i don't want the comic to be changed i think it's something that you know this again it's a case study if you are an author listening to this you know you can take some of these points if you want and think about them in your own media again we're not looking to change anything that's not the point of literary analysis you can look at a piece of media you can critique it that is not the same thing as wanting the person to change it, which is almost always the wrong reaction. Unless it's like, hmm, this movie hasn't been made yet and they should recast this person because the actor is a piece of shit, you know? Um, or other than things like the book hasn't been published yet and sensitivity leaders found very harmful content in it, then things should be changed. But 
a 10-year-old piece of media, it is the way it is. It's not going to change. There's no point when I'm reading Homestuck where I'm like, hmm, I think this should be changed for the new publication. No, because it's like an artifact now. Right, like we joke, or I guess I joke, oh, if I wrote Homestuck, it would be so much better. I don't actually mean that. That's what fanfiction is for. And I'm not disparaging fanfiction. I myself write fanfiction and read fanfiction and enjoy it. But that's fanfiction. That's not... That's not actually what we're doing here. This is an original work, so we have to grade it differently, you know? Now, speaking of that, Elizabeth, who gave you the right to do critique? What the fuck is up with you? Why, how are you qualified to make these judgments? So, a couple things. I have a bachelor's degree and a master's degree. My minor focus in my undergrad was in English literature. I've taken a lot of literature classes, and I've written a lot on a lot of different subjects. I basically do literary criticism in my free time. That's one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast. I also just do a lot of writing and editing myself. I've been a writing tutor before. I beta read occasionally, things like that. I do know a lot about writing, about editing, and about literary critique and analysis. Well, good. I'm glad I'm not talking to a chill. <laughs> Likewise, what are your credentials here on this podcast? Again, I don't think we ever like explained this or talked about any of our backgrounds, but I am actually a, a comics artist. You wouldn't have read my stuff yet. I, my content is not coming out until next year. I don't have a date yet because that's not how this works. And content takes time and I need to know when I can give an accurate month date region of when it's coming out. But it's coming out and I'll let you know here when it is. But anyway, I basically went to comic book school. <laughs> right now I work in advertising, but I know what I'm doing. I spent four years specifically critiquing mass-produced comic books and indie comics publications and web comics. Web comics are actually a big deal now, and they have to be judged in a different way. So I know a good amount of deal of comics. I don't know a lot about the stuffy literature like Elizabeth does, which is why Elizabeth is here. <laughs> but I do know how exactly the construction of comic books, graphic novels any serialized work. That's the basics of our quote-unquote official credentials. So when we are critiquing Homestuck, we're not just pulling stuff out of thin air. We actually do know what we're talking about, even if sometimes it seems like we're just saying whatever we're thinking. Like, this is exactly how I talk with Elizabeth on the podcast is the same way I talk to pretty much any of my peers whenever we're just, like, talking about a piece of work. We're not going to come out with, like, a debate team-style pamphlet to talk about why Danny Phantom failed in season three. We're going to use a lot of hyperbole. <laughs> we're going to kind of trash talk it a lot. We're going to save some parts are garbage, even though it's probably not, like, as bad as it is. This is, by the way, an actual conversation that we have had about five separate times. 
we've had more conversations about the Danny fandom narrative structure than we have about Homestuck, and we've done a Homestuck podcast. Completely accurate. Season two should have been the end. No, so like when, when Elizabeth and I kind of like talk shop like this, this is without the technical jargon, it's pretty much exactly how we talk. Because this podcast is also produced for a mass audience, so we are going to skip a bunch of the boring dry shit. Right. We are going to get into a little bit of the drier shit today, just so when we're making clear what exactly we're doing here. And then we'll drop it again next episode, because that's not why you enjoy listening to us. Light at the end of the tunnel, next episode is really good. Yes. We talk a lot of good things about Homestuck next episode. Y'all, next episode was so good. I enjoyed it immensely, so... Elizabeth enjoyed the reading of next episode so much. I've never seen her that happy. It was so interesting. Anyway, you'll get to that in two weeks. So hang in there. We're going to get through some stuff this week. Yeah, this week we're just going to kind of lay the foundation of, like, the whole rest of the podcast. So just sit back and listen to some dry literary analysis, you guys. Yeah, we're not actually doing literary analysis, but we're going to be talking about how we do literary analysis, which is perhaps even drier. We'll try to keep things light, we'll try to keep things interesting, and then we'll be back to our regularly scheduled programming soon. We're going to get a little bit more technical, but I am also still going to be on my bullshit. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I'm not going to do hyperbole, because that would be like the worst thing in the world. Oh my god. But I am still going to be a little lighthearted because that's me as a person. And that's what our podcast is. I mean, we talk about serious stuff sometimes, but there is also a lot of goofs. Anyway, we've got a few points here that we want to touch on to help you navigate the rest of the podcast if you're not sure what we're doing. And the first point that I have on this piece of paper is what is critique? That's such an important question because uh, we do a lot of different types of critique, actually. We aren't just saying Homestuck is bad and that's critique. That's, that's just a... Opinion, which we also have opinions. I'm even going to get into how that works for me personally in a little bit. But I'm going to start by talking a little bit about like, what is literature analysis? Basically, how am I approaching critique of Homestuck from uh, the perspective of someone who's used to critiquing literature that is usually not web comics? And there are a couple things to keep in mind here. First of all, there are some different perspectives from which we critique literature, so sort of like lenses we look through when we were talking about it. And that can be a lot of different things. You can use a feminist critique. uh, You can use a critique of deconstruction, which I'm not going to explain right now because it's very complicated and very confusing. You could use a psychological critique. You might have heard about some of these if you've taken an English class, even in high school. Something else you might have heard about in your English classes is analyzing a text through close reading. We actually do a lot of that in the next episode coming up, looking at exactly what's being said and what it's doing in the piece of literature. Then another important thing we do in any kind of literary critique is we look how it contributes to literature overall. 
For example, what movements is it building on? How is it connected to its predecessors? Like, what is its place in sort of the flow of literature? So that can also look a lot of different ways. You can say, oh, this particular book is part of the surrealist movement, and you can see that through this structure it has and uh, the influence from these previous authors. And that that's just sort of a really quick soundbite of an overview of literary critique. There's a lot of different things there, and I won't won't really go into depth in any other way, because at that point we're getting into things that you all don't need to know about. I can just keep in my head and use when I'm talking about Homestuck. But that's a lot of things that are always going through my head when I'm critiquing any literature, including Homestuck, including webcomics in general. I'd say that's a real nice. Oh, thank you. But Elizabeth, this is not a book. No, it isn't. This is not the Odyssey. This is not Dorian Gray. <laughs> what is it? Well, Elizabeth, it's a webcomic. Oh, is it now? Which is a pretty new medium, actually. So I don't know if your stuffy old person critique can work on Homestuck, on this, this new hip-hop, new wave shit. Well, what kind of critique would you use? Hi, I'm Elizabeth Kostrak, and I'm here to tell you that mass comics critique is a lot different than literary critique. Not because, you know, we're not looking at the same things, mostly because mass comics critique is like the trade school version of literary critique. A lot of us don't get, like, formally trained in it, but we learn it pretty much through osmosis. And also, like me, if you've taken a self-publishing class, you have learned it formally. <laughs> you know exactly what you're talking about, and you have it down to a science. Which... By the way, the science changes annually, and you have to continually stay on your feet and look at trends, and most of those trends are on Twitter for some fucking reason. But anyway, when we look at a work, usually we're looking at serialized work. And traditionally, you would look at these comic books in the Sunday papers, or, um, you know, like your, your new monthly Marvel book, you know, if you want to read some Spider's Man's. Or some, some daredevils. <laughs> and Homestuck is also a serialized work because it came out bit by bit and people could look at it and express feedback on it in between. And in the case of Homestuck and in webcomics in general, that is actually a very common trend is that the audience is actively engaging with the author or around their own circles and the author will happen to catch a glimpse of it. That's extremely common. And webcomics are very new, so the way that we're judging them is still a little dependent on the literary critique that Elizabeth has, but like just really watered down. And kind of like the, you know, the baby kindergarten version of it, which I'm fine with it being the baby kindergarten version because your version is very, very dry. <laughs> which is not bad and we need it for certain things. But we don't need all of it for comics because some of it just doesn't apply. Right. The thing that we value the most in comics, 100%, if it does not do this, it fails. I know I said no hyperbole, but this is not hyperbole. We value communication over anything else. If it does not read correctly, if the feeling you are trying to get across does not get across, that is a failure. 
So that is mostly the lens that I am looking on. Is Andrew Hussey an effective communicator? Is his intention the same as your experience? And we like to get that as close as possible. Sometimes it will vary and that's okay because every person is different and every person has a different opinion and they have a, like a different mental state coming into a work. But the goal is to get everybody out of the work as close in, in emotional states as possible. If you are trying to evoke a feeling, it's not going to be super great if somebody, if somebody walks out of it with a, com with a completely different feeling. When we judge comics, uh, we are also a lot of times looking at, you know, how does the author engage with the fans? That is an, in an incredibly modern thing. I, I mean, I know we had serialized authors back in, you know, the magazine times and all that shit, but it is on a much larger scale. We don't really have letters to the editor anymore. It's mostly just people adding, you know, Neil Gaiman on Twitter. <laughs> And it's a completely different medium now, and we have to judge it differently. I'm usually looking at Homestuck in the lens of, are we reading it in the same way that Andrew Hussey wants us to read it? And if not, why is there that gap? And is Andrew Hussey an effective communicator outside of the story? Interestingly enough, I would say in some ways, I'm looking at similar things. Because before I can even apply that literary analysis I was talking about, I often look at the story structure itself. And this is something else I think about a lot. I've talked about copy editing before. This is where copy editing comes into play. It's the part of storytelling, of writing in general. That's like, does this story flow? Does it make sense? And if not, why? Because there can be plenty of stories that are non-linear or disjointed. And if that's purposeful, if that serves a purpose, that's fine. I may not like it, but that's fine. And if it doesn't, that's where the critique part comes in. A lot of times, that's what I'm focused on when I'm critiquing Homestuck and critiquing how Andrew Hussey has put it together. And I won't get into individual examples of that, because you can see it in pretty much anything I say about Homestuck, about the structure, about, like, I don't understand what's going on here. So, for example, when I talk about parallel structures that Andrew Hussey is using, and I say, okay, I see that he's using this, but I don't see it as effective. That's where I'm talking about, like, story structure. Things that he's doing that may or may not work in the context of the story, of the points he's trying to get across, of the story he's telling. And then I can get into the literary merit, and often I don't even get to that point. The third thing where I draw my critique from is personal enjoyment. Straight up, how much am I enjoying this webcomic? And I will be the first to say that that is a subjective judgment. Like, that's all my opinions. And I have a lot of strong opinions. In case you all haven't noticed, I have a lot of strong opinions. You didn't, you didn't have to laugh for that long. 
Well, I had a lot of strong opinions about that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I have a lot of strong opinions, and I make them known all the time. A comparison I thought of the other day, there's this guy Noam Chomsky. He's a scholar in my field, in linguistics, and he did a lot of great stuff. Like, he, he came up with this theory of universal grammar. He did a lot of work in computational linguistics, which is my focus, and I fucking hate the guy. You can talk to anyone who is in that grad school program with me, and they'll say, yeah, Elizabeth hates Noam Chomsky to the point where people, his name would be mentioned in class and people would turn to look at me because I would just have a storm cloud over my head. A lot of that was, oh, I don't like this one theory of his, I have some opinions on, you know, how he came up with this theory. It doesn't matter. The specifics don't matter. My point is that I occasionally feel about Homestuck the same way I do, uh, or even Andrew Hussey, the same way I do about Noam Chomsky. I think a lot of people think that literary critique is completely factual, and it never fucking is. Right. You literally can't have an objective literary criticism. You can be fair about it. And sometimes we aren't 100% fair because this is a casual setting. And again, we use a lot of hyperbole, obviously. There's a lot of hyperbole, and it's mostly from me. (laughs) Whenever I'm critiquing Homestuck or critiquing Andrew Hussey, I'm not discounting all of the rest of it. When I just totally slam Noam Chomsky for his stupid universal grammar theory that doesn't make any sense, I'm not discounting the work he's done in computational linguistics and phonological theory. Those two things can exist simultaneously. We can all rip on Andrew Hussey on a specific way you don't like how he's doing his narrative, but you can also, in the same breath, talk about like how he revolutionized the field of webcomics and how absolutely excellent he is at dialogue. Right. When, when I'm looking at Homestuck specifically, this is a very small part of it, but I will look back at it and go, okay, when this was serialized, was this joke different than when it is now when I'm reading it in bulk with Elizabeth? And also, it is very critical for me to have Elizabeth here and reading this with her because it is such good, I don't even want to say data because that sounds too scientific for what I'm doing. It's so valuable to have a set of fresh eyes on something because then like I as an author can be like, okay, I can see exactly what is sticking and what is not sticking. I know sometimes I I do kind of influence Elizabeth a little bit. (laughs) Too (laughs) easy. Again, it's mostly casual and I don't do it on like, like the parts that I think are the most critical. And when I say I think, I mean, yes, that is also an opinion because not even comics critique is factual because we just made it up. Right, we just made all of this up. We are just using different techniques to figure stuff out. We're just humans talking around a fire. Also, when I do judge Homestuck, another important thing that I wanted to touch on is that Homestuck is different now than it was 10 years ago. And I don't mean that the text is different, but I mean that 
now this is a mass media comic. I would not go so far to say it is mainstream yet, but it is edging close to there. It is known in the niche of webcomics by pretty much everybody. It's a master in its niche field, and you can see it starting to spread its tendrils outside of there um, now that it's going into like the gaming community. And obviously when they had that first Kickstarter, that did put them on a global scale for a little bit because they did hit that Kickstarter super fast. And news outlets were confused about Homestuck for about two weeks. <laughs> Which, when I was there, it was very fun to watch. <laughs> Homestuck is not an indie comic anymore. That's going to sound a little jarring because, you know, it's Homestuck. That is, when you think of, like, like an indie work, you're like, oh, yeah, you know, like Homestuck. It's a very easy thing to, like, just, like, grab at. It's well-known, but it's it's not an indie piece of work anymore. Andrew has, like, a team of writers and artists now working on... Like, the, the sub-genres of Homestuck. Homestuck is almost a genre now. <laughs> he just came out with, like, another game a day ago where you get to befriend John and Rose. By the way, I'm very excited for that because I think the drawings of them were very charming. Aww. But it's not independent anymore. So just if somebody comes up to me and they say, can you give me some critique on my work? And it is an individual's work. I don't care who the fuck you are. I don't care if you are a master at your craft. You judge that differently than you do a mass media comic. Because when you are talking to someone one-on-one, -on -one, or you are talking to someone, like, one-on-one -on -one through the filter of, like, a computer in, like, a comment section or whatever, you have to be more positive. And that's not, like, you know, like, oh, I don't want to give you my real opinion or anything. It's something that's kind of hard to verbalize, but it is kind of like a common courtesy thing, which is where we get things like the critique sandwich is what we called it, which is like say a good thing and then say a piece of constructive critique and then say another good thing to round it out. By the way, not to say that you shouldn't critique other people's work. Don't do it unsolicited. That's bad. Don't do it. But if somebody says like, hey, do you have any pointers for me here? Then you can you know, be nice about it, obviously. But when it enters the mass media space, the courtesy leaves. Not because you shouldn't be nice to people who are, you know, more elevated, but because their work is under more public scrutiny by default. And when I mean by default, it means that their work has a social responsibility now. So their work does need to be judged slightly harder. Your words mean more to a larger amount of people now, which means you can afford to be slightly more ruthless with your critique. Which is all to say that Homestuck has moved out of the indie space and into the mass media space. So that affects the critique. Yeah, because, you know, more people are reading it, more people have a chance to be impacted by the things that don't work in Homestuck, which is... I mean, we get into that in the podcast. I don't need to say it. Wait. I think this is actually a good place to talk about the personal impact of Homestuck on us. Me, now, Liz mostly, when she was 16. Yes. Elizabeth, 
Homestuck has made a personal impact on you beyond the fact that you have lost many nights to having to transcribe a bunch of this podcast <laughs> and also having to listen to me talk about dicks or whatever. Yeah, no, it it has. Interestingly enough, to me, one of the biggest impacts Homestuck has had on me is that I've started reading webcomics, actually. I asked Liz for some recommendations, and I've been reading webcomics. So it sort of introduced me to a whole new medium of storytelling that I was sort of tangentially aware of before, but I hadn't interacted a lot with. Elizabeth, real quick, what is your favorite webcomic that I told you to go read? I have really liked Cucumber Quest. Yes, I was hoping you would say Cucumber Quest. Yeah, I really liked Cucumber Quest. He has taste, everybody! (laughs) Thank you, I I appreciate that. Not that I didn't think of webcomics as media before, but I wasn't really aware of them. I didn't know a lot about what they were like. And so I really like that I know about this other form of media now, and I'm interacting with it more. And I talked about this months ago when I was still in grad school, but Homestuck influenced my actual master's degree studies. (laughs) As in, I thought about how multimedia pieces of literature are different, and I've talked about that before. You went into a job interview talking about Homestead. Okay, listen. I do have this podcast on my resume, and I had a job interview a week or two ago at the time of this podcast recording, and I'm not exaggerating, the first question I was asked, the first thing said to me in this first part of the interview was, so I looked up your podcast. Now, what was the name of the first episode of our podcast again? (sighs) Yeah... And they invited you back. (laughs) They invited me back for the next interview, so... Cross your fingers, everybody. (laughs) So I guess um, Homestuck has had um, that effect on me. I had to say to this guy I was interviewing with, he was like, so what is Homestuck? I I can't figure it out. Is Is it a comic? Is it a book? And I was just like... It's a webcomic, it's popular from 2009 to 2012, and just dying inside because I had not fully thought through the implications of putting that on my resume. This podcast got you a date once. <sighs> yeah, so there, there... It's on your dating profile. It is on my dating profile, too, <laughs> In her defense, it's also on my dating profile. (laughs) So, you know, this podcast and Homestuck has effects. Uh, Hey, Liz, um, what effect has Homestuck had on you? Hmm? Oh, this is a sadder story. Again, I was like a sprightly young teen when I read Homestuck. And Homestuck, it was my first piece of media that I really, that I was such a fan of that I went, online and like looked up more content of it and you know looked at fan art and participated in conversations with other people over the internet oh my god 
And I say 16 seems like an old time to be doing this. Also, please remember, I was, I was a paranoid young child. You know, nothing else really made me want to, to go on the computer and risk that. I, read, I started reading Homestuck because I wanted to impress my older brother. And I immediately became more interested in it than he ever did. Which, you know, you, you've all met my brother. Yes. Homestuck did lots of good things for me. It did some bad things to me also. I don't mean to sound like, you know, like an old grandpa telling people to get shit off his lawn or whatever. And I don't mean to sound like a PTA mom telling the school board to practice abstinence only in the school. But I don't think this comic is for children. No. <laughs> and it's kind of deceptive in that. It, it has some of this now, but like back in the day, there was not like a rating on it. There was no way I could have known what I was going into. And it, it was fine because like, like Harry Potter, I kind of grew up as it was still getting dark. So my emotional capacity for that sort of thing grew with the amount of time it passed as it kept going on. But, you know, again, like, messed me up in a lot of ways that maybe are too personal for a, uh, a podcast. But also it did some very good things for me. I've met some of my best friends through Homestuck. Even though none of us are, like, big fans of it anymore. You know, I read it again with Elizabeth because I wanted to remember if it was as good as I remember it or if it wasn't. And I'd, I'd say the worst impact that I can share on podcast, it was the first piece of media that I interacted with outside of the actual media. And, you know, like, I actually knew the author's name. And it, I mean, I knew J.K. Rowling's name, but you know, that was that was a book, and books are stuffy. This is webcomics, and that's new, uh, which, you know, a teenager would appreciate that more, I guess. I knew Andrew Hesse's name. I knew the, the myths surrounding him, stories surrounding him and everything. And I, I know people have said this over and over again, like, you don't have to like how Homestuck as a narrative hates you. But there was a specific moment in Homestuck where I was like, oh, I'm not welcome here. And it made me really think about the relationship between author to reader. It's really a one-sided relationship, and that's fine. But the illusion that it is a two-sided relationship should not be there. So that's how Homestuck messed me up in one way. <laughs> there are positive and negative impacts of pretty much any piece of media and a lot depends on, you know, I'm reading it for the first time as an adult. And Liz didn't. Liz, had, Liz and Elizabeth have two very different experiences because uh, Liz in, enjoyed it wholeheartedly up until the whole bit about Terezi. And Elizabeth is... Is like up and down, maybe. Yeah, is sort of riding the roller coaster of really trying to think it through as I'm going. You know, they're very different experiences, and so overall, different perspectives, different ways of critiquing things. But that's why we're doing this podcast, because we have those differences and we want all of them 
to exist in this space. And we want to be able to talk about this very influential piece of media in both funny, jokey ways and serious ways. Whether that's talking about the impact on teens or the racist jokes or just whether it's written well. We, we want to make space for all of that. I don't say this enough. But if you enjoy Homestuck exactly the way it is, you know, you, you, you don't have any critiques about it, that's also fine. Right. And we are not attacking you specifically. That is never going to happen. These are just our, you know, what we think about it. That being said, if that is how you feel, think about whether this podcast is for you. Just because we have critiqued Homestuck a lot, we are going to continue to critique Homestuck a lot. And probably there's going to be a point where we're critiquing it more than we already have been. And if you just want a fan cast where they talk about all of the great things and how much they enjoy it, that's fine. That's not this podcast. Not that we're ever going to say, like, I hate Homestuck, and that's a fact, and we're not joking about it. Because that's not my stance, and I don't think it's ever going to be my stance, and I don't think it's going to be Elizabeth's stance at the end of this. No. But we are going to kind of air out a lot of Homestuck's dirty laundry. By the way, it's not going to happen, like, tomorrow. It's not going to happen, like, next episode. Next episode, we say lots of good things. Oh, yeah. We super do. Because there's something very good that happened next episode. But I'd say maybe the point, if you're a big fan of Homestuck and you should drop off, either when Murderstuck comes up or when the Trickster arc comes up, that is maybe the point where we will get a little more rude about it. (laughs) It's never going to be, I hate Homestuck, you should also hate Homestuck, and we hate you if you like Homestuck. It's never going to be that. It's never going to be that. But it is going to be, hey... We're looking at this critically. If you like Homestuck and you would never change anything about it, that's good, but it's also sometimes good to take a look at it in like this critique space so that maybe you can know why you like it. So that if you're looking for another piece of media elsewhere, you can be like, you know what I really like? I really like it when this happens. And this may be able to help you put a name to that. So, you know, that's just one other way that critique is actually helpful. Like, sort of taking things apart and looking at the different pieces is helpful. I would want to take a moment in that vein. Elizabeth, is there anything you can compare Homestuck to? Things that you can see Andrew Hussey trying to do, but you know of a better way somebody else is doing it. Maybe our listeners may like this sort of thing, but they want to see more of it. Do you have any comparisons to any of those things? Let's say you especially like the human kids in Homestuck, and you like their sort of uh, shenanigans and things like that. Read more kids' literature, because it might not be as dark or as, you know, complicated as Homestuck. But if you like those kinds of characters, yeah, read more middle grade 
in younger, young adult literature, that's sort of where I see my connection with the kinds of things I like to read. There are, there are specifically a couple of people that I like to put a lens of Andrew Hussey next to. Mm-hmm. And one of them is actually, like, you know, more, more kid literature. But I know a lot of people talk about, you know, Homestuck the narrative hating you and whatever, which is great. I person this is a personal opinion. I think that is a fun thing to do. I don't think that Andrew Hesse does it effectively. Basically, if we were to go back to my restaurant metaphor from episode 16, if you go to one of those restaurants like Dick's Last Resort, where they're like mean to you on purpose, there are people to tell you like, hey, we're being gonna be mean on purpose. We're gonna we're gonna do it like this. And you can be like, cool, and then still walk in or be like, oh, that's weird, and go to McDonald's or whatever. Um, <laughs> I think Andrew Hesse could have done a, a little bit of a better job telegraphing that because if you're just reading Homestuck for the first time, you may go into Homestuck just thinking, oh, you know, it's not gonna do that to me. And then you get to the trickster arc and you're like, oh, <laughs> oh, this hates me. Personally, Andrew Hussey could benefit from telegraphing that a little stronger in the beginning, a little more explicitly, so that you could have the chance to, you know, abandon ship before you get too attached to everything. But I think a person that does this in a very good way is more kid literature, and it is actually Lemony Snicket in a series of fortunate events, because it's also a little playful. And it's, it's like, it's like, yeah, this isn't going to go well. If you're looking for a happy story, nope, not gonna happen. And they tell you that like exp- on like page one, so you know what you're in for. You know it's gonna be a tragedy. You and what's different between the way Andrew Hussey does it and Lemony Stickett does it is that when Lemony Stickett does it, no matter how like horrible the narrative leaves you feeling, there's still like a little bit of hope in there. And I personally like that juxtaposition of feeling and it's very good and it helps you keep reading it i do love that you know the narrative hates you but i also love it when they balance it out a little bit looking at what you like or dislike in a piece of media or what you think was well done or not well done you can use that to figure out what else you like i mean i even did that with huh I sort of like the format of this. I think I'm going to read more webcomics. It's it's always good to just find new media like that. It's very, it's very fun. Real quick, there's one point I want to make that I haven't made yet. And that is the fact that when we say, oh, Andrew Hussey does this or Andrew Hussey does that, when, when we are judging his actions in Homestuck, we are on the majority judging, unless we say differently, on the majority, we are judging his past actions and not current Andrew Hussey, who has actually been getting a little better about it. That's important to note because people grow and people change. The Andrew Hussey we are talking about is the Andrew Hussey who wrote the thing we're reading. Yes. One, th- one thing I do have to give Andrew Hussey props for just as a creator is that now that he has like a team of writers helping him in his various projects, he does not fall into the same trap that George Lucas fell into, where when he got big, he stopped taking criticism. No, when the team of writers are like, hey, let's, you know, do it this way, he will listen to that. 
I, I appreciate Modern Hussy for that. And Modern Hussy is, like, he doesn't interact with fans, and I can understand that. That is, that is, that is a big mood. It's very terrifying as a content creator sometimes to engage with fans, and I do not blame him for not doing it very much. And, you know, you can say that's his weak point, and it's totally valid to know what your weak points are and not play them. But, again, I think Modern Hussy is better than Homestuck-era Hussy. Yeah, and actually, while we're talking about communication with fans, and as we're sort of wrapping this housekeeping episode up, we'd like to talk just for a very brief moment about our communications with fans. That's mainly talking about our Twitter. Again, prefacing this with, if you attack anybody that has ever tweeted us on Twitter, I will be very disappointed in you. You are better than that. Please never do that. What we're saying here, actually, is that Twitter is not a good platform for any kind of debate. No. (laughs) (laughs) It's just not. And we don't want you, the listeners, who clearly care a lot about our podcast, to go through a lot of trouble in making this whole argument, or, and I say argument in the straight-up, like... In the classical sense. Exactly, the classical sense, not the angry sense. Nobody has tried to fight us. You've been nothing but kind, and we love all of you. Yes, but we don't want you to go through all of this trouble of making an argument and sending it to us and hoping that you get a long, well-thought-out reply back, and Twitter is not the platform for that. So we just don't want you to be disappointed or your hard work to go to waste. At this point, we're going to be limiting our uh, most of our Twitter interactions to, if you have a question or a fun joke, send us a tweet. But we, Twitter doesn't have the capacity for conversation. If you have a like a, a longer, drawn-out question that you want to ask in that sense, my advice would be to pack it up, you know, save it for later. We'll probably come out with another episode kind of like this where we address like more housekeeping stuff. Just, you know, put it in a sealed envelope until we're ready to talk about that in depth. And then, you know, when that happens, then you can tweet that long thing at us and then we can address it on the show instead of me trying to figure out the best way to type out the response without sounding dismissive or angry um, because I've never been angry. (laughs) You know, in 280 characters. Or like trying to thread thing, I'm still, I'm, I'm, I'm such a grandpa, like trying to scroll through the, the fucking <laughs> thread thing. And we know the effect that interaction between content creators and content consumers can have. And we want that to be positive on both sides. That all being said, if we like fuck up something, we say something that is wrong in the sense that it is offensive, something like that, do contact us because that's important. That is an immediate flag us down for that so that we can correct the mistake and not make it again. You could, like, send us a DM. Yeah, that is, that is a private message situation. Right, but that's a different situation. We are still always open to criticism when it's 
important like that. If we say a shitty thing, please tell us, preferably privately, so other fans can continue enjoy- to enjoy and we can quietly correct ourselves. Yeah, we'll just re-upload the episode without that thing. Right. So that's that's a different situation than a debate on the merits of Homestuck, which we have to take 45 minutes of episode at least every two weeks to have that conversation with each other. But again, like, if you, if you do have a, a longer thing that you want to save for later, totally. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll play. <laughs> I'm I'm sure at some point we'll have some kind of episode where we take your questions and discuss them. Something like that. It, who knows? I, I feel like I have to say this every five minutes because it is true. This episode is not like in like an angry response to people that have tweeted us in the past with these concerns. We are more frustrated that like, oh no, we didn't do this before. And that's our bad. This is us correcting that mistake. We literally were like, we'll do three episodes of this podcast. And then later, you know, if, you know, once we know what we're doing with it, we'll, you know, state our credentials and, you know, talk about everything. And and then we didn't. And then we didn't. So we're doing it now. Is there anything that you want to say while we're still here, Elizabeth? Just last thing. And that is to trust us. Like, even if, you, if you've listened all the way through this episode and you are on the fence about, like, whether or not you still want to listen to this podcast, that's, you know, that's completely fine. We've been saying a lot of dry shit at you for, like, an hour. <laughs> you know, we've talked a little shit. But I will say, my personal opinion is that Elizabeth is going to come out of this podcast with a positive experience on Homestuck. And that I will come out of this podcast being like, oh yeah, that's that's the same amount of quality as I remember. I, I feel like it's going to come out positively. This is sort of a funny way to put it, because like this is our actual experience. We're not writing a story here. But I like telling stories, and I like stories in general with happy endings. And this podcast is going to have a happy ending, <laughs> basically. You don't have to worry that in the last episode, whenever that is, I'm going to be saying, wow, I hated that. That was a terrible experience. I'm not going to say that. She's not going to pull the carpet on your your feet and go like, I've hated Homestuck this whole time. This was a ruse. And all of that stuff that I said that was hyperbole was true. Right. I mean, trust us that we're being honest about what we think, trust us that we know what we're talking about, and trust us that we're gonna say when things are good. And again, we mentioned this a couple times, we're sort of going to show that next time, and that also is going to be genuine. You know, we're gonna have our ups and our downs about it. It's an emotional roller coaster, and if you want to be along for a ride, Oh, we welcome you. You you are welcome to take this ride with us. And the way that I'm going to put it, if you can trust Hussy to give you a story over 8,000 pages, and, you know, I, I, I assume no matter your level of enjoyment of the comic, there were points where you were like, oh, I don't know how this is going to play out. 
I'm, you know, like I'm scared. I'm, uh, I don't know what's going on. I, I don't know if I'm going to like this at the end. You know, you went through all of those ups and downs reading Homestuck for years, probably. And if you can trust Hussey over 8,000 pages, just trust us over these, like, 100 to 200 episodes we're doing. I don't know how long this is going to be. <laughs> we're not trying to purposely screw you over. <laughs> no, we aren't. Was there anything else that you wanted to talk about before we close up shop? Oh, no mini game today, everybody. This was a no jokes episode. We had a few jokes. Yeah, I, I, I'm not being dour. <laughs> Again, this is with the new Twitter thing. If you have a quick question about how this is operating, that's totally cool. We'll, we'll answer that up pretty quick. If your question spans more than, I'd say, about three Twitter messages, it may be too long to talk about over Twitter. Otherwise, I think that's it for this housekeeping episode. As always, our, the transcript for this episode and all episodes are found on our Tumblr, lookhowsane.tumblr.com. Yeah, and uh, Elizabeth writes those transcriptions because she's wonderful. Liz runs the Twitter, uh, which we'll just remind you is at how underscore sane. And Liz runs that, and it is also wonderful. I enjoy when people just send me the most nonsensical jokes. <laughs> that I just get to enjoy. Mm -hmm. John Michael does our music, which you heard significantly less in this episode because there wasn't a minigame. And do, as always, even for this episode, I'm going to say rate and review us on iTunes and tell people probably don't start with this episode. If this is somehow your first episode of Look How Sane and Linear we are being, no. <laughs> you probably haven't enjoyed it that much. I'm sorry, friend, you fucked up. <laughs> Maybe, like, listen to the first couple episodes and then this episode and then the rest. And then the rest. And until next time, remember, in a narrative critique, Riska did nothing wrong. Though objectively and morally speaking, she did do quite a few things wrong. Bye everyone.